Lang Podcast. We hope this message encourages and inspires you today. Alright. Thank you so much, Esther. Hello, Victory Family. Anyong. Anyong. Kamsamnida. Alright. Happy Sunday, everyone. And we hope that everybody is doing okay. Um, for those of you joining us uh, online, my name is Pastor Ariel. I'm one of the pastors of this congregation in Victory Alabang. And, um, you know, I think all of us are aware that the government has um, eased up on the restriction of the CQ from MECQ to now a stricter GCQ, okay? There's a stricter word uh, with the GCQ. And so I think it means let's continue to be careful and take care of each other. Amen. And so uh, if you haven't uh, had any vaccination yet, um, you know, I encourage you to go online. I've had my vaccination already. Uh, I've had two jabs already uh, of Sinovac, and I'm grateful for the opportunity for me. As I said last uh, week, uh, I'm uh, A3, and so um, advantage pala yung sometimes yung hypertensive. You know? So anyway, uh, my wife this morning also uh, got her first um, vaccine. So uh, nothing to fear. I believe that all of us eventually will have to go through this because uh, you know the the the, the most. Uh, the, you know, if, if most of the population have gotten vaccinated, I think it will help us to go at least, at least um, uh, go back to normal, okay? Uh, all right, so today we are on week number four of our series uh, still in Isaiah. It's still the series on trustworthy. And I hope that you have all been, uh, you know, uh, learning about the faithfulness of God, God being a covenant-keeping God. And uh, this is... Uh, the God that we serve, who is so much passionately in love with all of us. How many of you are grateful that God is so much in love with you? All right? That God's favor is with us. You know, he, He'll do everything He can so that He can actually keep us and bring us to that place of ultimate perfection and holiness. And that's exactly what we're going to be talking about today, that we are His treasured possession. And today we're focusing on one of God's very known attributes. His holiness. Everybody say holiness. Now, how many of you would say, after being saved, after you know being uh, you know uh, being born again, that you are a holy person? Can you please raise your hand? You're holy. If you are watching, and if you feel that you're holy, can you please raise your hand? Uh, but the reality of holiness really uh, is. Something that is for God alone. We know that that is His main attribute. And, you know, growing up, I wonder, you know, I have so much fascination with uh, the things that are holy and sacred. Um, you know, we are, you know, when I was growing up, I would go to church and I would actually see holy water. And I don't know what that means. I wanted to actually bring it home because it would make me holy. Something like that, Okay. But you cannot really take it home because, you know, it's sacred. It's, it's there. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if you remember the time that you actually had Holy Communion. And uh, I think when you were about seven, eight years old, grade one. And so we went through that. It's called Holy Communion or Holy Eucharist. Uh, we also have uh, what you call Holy Matrimony. So things that are sacred are said to be holy. We also serve a God named the Holy Spirit, right? We only have one God, three persons, and we thank the Holy Spirit for being our teacher, our guide, the one who sanctifies us. 
And guess what? Because God has encountered us and touched us, we are also called the holy people of God. And so we're going to be looking at that. But what do we mean by holiness? What does it mean for us to be holy? And we're going to be going to the book of, uh, again, of Isaiah chapter 6 and focus on eight verses. So if you have your Bibles with you, uh, for those of you watching at home, uh, please go ahead and open to Isaiah chapter 6. Uh, for those of you who are joining us here on site, uh, please open your Bibles or digital device. And I'd, I'd like to invite you to all stand up with me. As we give reverence to God's Word, we're going to be reading from Isaiah chapter 6, beginning in verse 1 to verse 8. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1 to verse 8. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of His robe filled the temple. Above Him stood the seraphim, each had six wings, with two, he covered his face, and with two, he covered his feet, and with two, he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. And your sin atoned for. Verse 8, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. Can we say those uh, five words? Here I am, send me. This is the word of the Lord. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, thank you so much for our time today as we study your word. I thank you that indeed you are a holy God. You are a cut above the rest. There's no one like you. And I thank you that you have touched all of us, your people. And I thank you that when we encounter you, you also make us holy. For you said to be holy as you are holy. And I thank you, Lord God, for this opportunity for us to be able to learn one of your greatest attributes, holiness. We commit to you this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may all be seated. All right. Um, you know, Isaiah is one very interesting prophet because, you know, he's considered one of the major prophets in the Old Testament. Now, when you call major, it doesn't mean that he, the reason why the other prophets like more important than the minor prophets like Micah or Jonah, the reason why there are major prophets or minor prophets is because of the length of the writing, okay? Um, not that they're more favored by God. This is a major pastor. This is a major uh, is nothing like that, okay? But the amount of writing, 60 chapters of uh, the book of Isaiah, and we, we, we know that somehow this particular chapter in Isaiah chapter 6 is one of the most pivotal chapters in the whole book because 
this can be considered as Isaiah's calling. Some theologians are saying that this is the second calling of Isaiah because he's been writing from chapter 1. And so it's more of like a, uh, a, a way of God recommissioning Isaiah. Now, one of the things that happened in this particular chapter was found in verse 1. And in verse 1, it says, in the, the vision of Isaiah came in the year that King Uzziah died. In the year that King Uzziah died. Now, how many of you have a year that you will never, ever forget? How many of you would say that you will never, ever forget 2020? The year when COVID came. In the year when COVID came. Now, for many veterans, maybe uh, those who served in the U.S. military, uh, they will never forget in the year that Pearl Harbor was attacked. You know, there are some pivotal years that you will never, ever forget. You know, for them, it was the year of infamy. A day of infamy wherein, you know, the... uh, enemy attacked them when they were not ready. Uh, for those uh, living uh, back in uh, the early 2000, uh, 9-11 was actually a year that many of you remember. It was a year of terrorism. In the year that uh, terrorists came, or in the year of 9-1-1. Now, when you talk about the year 2020, you know, not only is this the year when COVID came, but this may be the year when you lost your mom or when you lost your dad or when you lost a child or the year when you lost your job or the year that you lost your health or you lost your business. It's a year of grief. It's a year of loss. And how many of you know that we are facing an avalanche of grief? You know, that somehow not only us as Filipinos, but the entire world, this pandemic, this global recession has actually had made a major impact, something that cannot be forgotten. I believe that generations from now, uh, people will be talking about this year. You know, you will grow up or grow old rather in the future, and maybe some of your children or children's children who have not gone through this year, they will ask, Lolo. Or, uh, mommy, you know, what happened in 2020? You know, yeah, that was the year that the pandemic died. There was a virus that actually impacted not just one city, but the entire world. People had to wear a mask. People had to wear a shield. People had to be vaccinated all over. And there was no travel at all. You know, uh, uh, tourism was down and so on and so forth. Now, this particular passage in Isaiah chapter 6 was similar to that. In the year that King Uzziah died, it was a very memorable year for the year of for the nation of Judah. It was about 740 BC when that tragedy struck the nation. Their great king passed away. I'm not sure if you have been through you know several presidents in this nation. I've been alive since the Marcos regime. And so we've been through several regimes. And, uh, you know, there are different uh, characteristics of each president that led this nation. Now, for the nation of Israel, Uzziah was a great king. He was a powerful king. He was a very popular king. And his name spread throughout not only the nation of Israel, but throughout the nations of the world during that time. 
Uh, of course, we know of great kings of Israel like David, right? And Solomon, his son, who reigned in, and put stability in the nation of Israel. Now, King Uzziah, after a long line of uh, uh, kings that ruled the nation of Israel and Judah when they were divided, King Uzziah was one of the best kings after King David. Powerful king. He actually was 16 years old when he began to reign in Judah, and he reigned for about 52 years. How many of you know that that's a long time? You know, if you have been 52, I am 53. And can you imagine, in that case, if I were alive then, he's the only king that I have known in my lifetime. And so, under the nation, uh, under the rulership of King Uzziah, the nation of Judah prospered. The Philistines, who were their perennial enemy, was subdued under his reign. It was a time of wealth, a time of prosperity, a time of stability when King Uzziah was ruling and reigning. In fact, Uzziah was a great hero during his time. And the people would see Uzziah, they would actually say, oh, that is a great king. One of the uh, things that's uh, you know, describing Uzziah in 2 Chronicles chapter 26, verse 5, it says, As long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. How many of you know that that is a secret of success? I mean, if you want to be successful, if you want to prosper, go seek God. Go do His will. And I believe that that is exactly one great example of this mighty king. Every time he sought the Lord, God moved on his behalf. Unfortunately, you know, he went on and ruled. You know, he actually survived the pressures of adversity, but he was not able to survive the pressures of prosperity. How I many of you know that sometimes blessings can get the best of us. And he came to a point where he became proud and he felt like, I am the king, I can do anything. And that time, he actually went to the temple, offered sacrifice before his God. And the priests, who knew that he should not be there, tried to pull him out. And before he, he could actually go out of the temple, leprosy struck and he became sick, became a leper until the time that he died. And this was a situation, the context of that. His son, Jotham, was a very weak leader. He was not ready to be the next king as great as his father, Uzziah, was. And so the people were worried of what will happen now about Judah. They were concerned that their great king passed away. And Isaiah and the whole nation of Judah, they were all heartbroken. And they were asking, oh no! The beloved king died. What would now happen to this nation now that our king is dead? There's no one who could actually rule as great as he was. And that was the situation. That was the context. And that was the year that Isaiah saw the vision of God. And I have three simple points that I want to share today. First point is God's holiness brings magnification. And in that particular case, Isaiah saw the Lord. God's holiness brings magnification. He actually had an upward look and he saw the Lord. And we see this in verse 1. I saw the Lord doing what? Was he panicking? Was he walking around? Oh no, my king Uzziah died. No, he was just sitting on his throne. Maybe with feet up. The Bible says that the earth is his footstool. And he was probably relaxed. He was not panicking. 
I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of His robe filled the temple. Isaiah saw the Lord in a powerful position. You know, when God was sitting on a throne, I don't have a throne. Okay, this actually, imagine with me. This is a throne. You don't have a, you don't have a throne. A bench is a throne, right? Normally, thrones are just single seat thrones, right? You cannot share the throne. You can actually only, there should only be one person sitting on the throne and that is the king. Amen. Now, if you have the throne in your heart, you better get away from that throne and let Jesus sit on your heart. Okay? I mean, sit on the heart. Sit on the throne of your heart. Okay? You know, it's as if that God was declaring, don't worry, I am sitting on the throne. I'm in charge. I'm in control. Yes, your mighty king may have passed away, but I'm still in charge. And you know, when the world seems to be falling apart, the country seems to be deteriorating, and things are becoming crazy, God is not panicking. He is in control. Amen? And how many of you know that in the midst of this pandemic, in the midst of this economic downfall, in the midst of all this chaos, in the Middle East, in Israel, in Palestine, you know, in the, the chaos in uh, West Philippine Sea, how many of you know that God is in charge? In the midst of our economic freefall, God is in control. In the midst of this global pandemic, God is in control. And we need to look and see that God is still sitting on the throne. You know, the reality is we live in a fallen world. And how many of you know that this world that is broken, there will be chaos. But in the midst of this chaos, God rules and God reigns. Amen. God is in charge. His sovereign will will prevail. And Isaiah was able to see the Lord only when Uzziah died. Somehow his eyesight was blurred because his eyesight was on, maybe somehow, on the king. He was putting his confidence on the king. And sometimes, you know, we, we cannot see the Lord because people can actually become idols in our life. And in this particular situation, when King Uzziah finally passed away. Isaiah realized that he is not the Lord. That he is serving the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The God who sits on the throne. And I believe that God will remove idols in our life so that we can see him clearly. Amen. We talked about that last week. That God does not want any idol to blur our vision of Him. And God wants us to see Him clearly. That He is in charge. He's moving on our behalf. And He cares for you and me. Isaiah saw God sitting on a throne. And you know, there are three descriptions of the throne that Isaiah saw. First description of the throne is, it's a throne of glory. Where God is seated and is clothed with majesty. The Bible says His train fills the temple. How many of you have seen, you know, uh, wedding gowns uh, and with long train? I've seen uh, brides that somehow they actually make their gowns with long train. You know, one of the uh, vivid things that I remember is like when, you know, when the, uh, Lady Diana actually got married, you know, his tra- her train actually was a long train. I think one of the longest trains of a wedding gown that is Put in the Guinness Book of World Record measures about 26,000 feet. 
Okay? So that's a long train. And I'm not really sure how, I mean, it's just for Guinness Book of World Records. It's for show. But the Bible says that God's train filled the temple. I'm not sure how big that temple was that he was seeing, but yet it was, can you imagine the train that's being wrapped around the temple of God? That speaks of his majesty. Second thing about the throne is, it's a throne of government. God sits on that throne where he rules over the affairs of the nation and over the affairs of men. And you know, the, the form of government that God has is not democracy. Did you know that? That we can never vote. You know, you can never actually say, God, I don't agree with your will. How many of you know that God's will is God's will? And that's it. What God says, God does. God's will. In fact, you know, Jesus said, when you pray, pray this. You know, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He rules. Period. And when he rules, that's what matters. Because righteousness and justice are the foundation of God's throne. And how many of you know that God is the best, the, you know, the best absolute ruler that we could ever have in our life, over our nation, over this planet? Third thing about the throne of God is the throne of grace, where God sits uh, you know, as a redeemer and a savior. And, you know, from His holiness flows His other attributes like love and mercy and peace and, uh, and grace. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, it says, Let us then approach God's throne of what? Throne of grace. Let's approach God's throne of grace. Yes, God rules. God sits in His majesty, in His sovereignty, in His, uh, uh, you know, in His... Uh, uh, being different as God, He's ruling and reigning, but yet it's a throne of grace. And how many of you need grace today? We all need grace today. I need grace every day. I need God's grace and compassion and mercy every single day. And I'm so thankful that His grace and compassion, they're new every morning. Great is His faithfulness. Amen? Come on, I'll give you a lot of praise for that. We need His grace. We need His, yes, not only is God ruling, not only is God reigning, but God's merciful and God is gracious to His people. It's a throne of grace. God is sovereign, yet He is very approachable and He's very gracious. Verse 2 says, Above Him stood the seraphim, and each had six wings. And you know, the, the, the angels that we see, you know, that's being illustrated maybe in uh, books or in some of the magazines that we see, they normally have two wings, right? Two big wings. But when you talk about the angels in the Bible, they don't have just two wings to fly. They have six wings. Two wings to cover their faces, two wings to cover their feet, and two to fly. And we see a similar passage of this particular verse in Revelation chapter 4, verse 8, where in the, whole, the, the angels of God in, in heaven are crying out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with His glory. You know, and this is where we see the word holy being mentioned not just once, not just twice, but three times. 
three times this word is mentioned. And when you talk about, you know, when God calls people sometimes, He would call them twice, like Abraham, Abraham, or Moses, Moses. Or Jesus would say to His disciples, Verily, verily, I say unto you. And it's, it, it, it actually is a, uh, an emphasis. It's because, you know, they don't have, you know, iPads. Then you don't have Microsoft Word. You cannot put a bold letter. You cannot increase the font. You cannot italize it. You cannot underline. And the way to emphasize a word that's very important is to say it twice. But this particular attribute of God, it's not just being said twice by the angels. It's actually said three times. The word holy or kadosh means to be separate, to be distinct, to be unique, to be cut off, to be different, to be a class of its own. And this is where we see that there is no one like our God. No one can compare with Him. Another way to describe God is, this is the, situ- this is the character of God that is other. The otherness of God. Now, when you talk about God, that's why God is a jealous God. When we compare Him to an idol, how many of you know that we can never compare God to any created being? To any created object? Because God is the one that creates. And some kids are asking, who created God? No one can create God because in the beginning, there He was. God. God exists even before the foundation of the creation of the world. And when you talk about worship, worship thrives on wonder. How many of you enjoyed our time of worship today? You know, it was, it's amazing that whenever we would gather as a people of God in worship, we would actually sense the presence of God. And, you know, when you talk about worship, there ought to be some wonder and awe. Have you ever felt that awe? Ever say awe? Awe. Awe. The wowness, the magnificence of God. There's a sense of wonder. You know, we can never worship without a sense of awe and a sense of wonder. When we come to the presence of God, we're stepping into a holy place because God is here. This place is not holy. Festival Mall is not holy because we dedicated this before. No, the reason why this is holy is because God's presence is here. And he makes it holy. And the people of God, who is holy, by the way, goes to a place, that place becomes holy as well. Guess what? When you go to your office, that place becomes holy because you are there. If you are a person, a people of God. You know, this word otherness gives us a sense that God is so pure and so unique that no one else and nothing else can ever come close to him. And I hope that every time that we meet God, you know, you know I, I enjoy waking up in the morning and getting a cup of coffee and opening my Bible. And, you know, I, I now stay at the back of our house. And sometimes I would actually take a, a short recording of the birds that are chirping. And I feel like whenever I would actually meet God, that the birds are also praising Him with me in the morning. And there's a sense of awe. You know, my question for us is, does worship still give you a sense of awe and wonder of the majesty and the holiness of our God? I hope you still do. Because not only is holiness able to bring magnification of who God is, but holiness brings conviction as well. 
And that's my second point. Holiness brings conviction. First is, you know, Isaiah had an upward look. He, uh, he was able to see God where he was. And he was sitting on the throne. He was high and lifted up. And he was actually looking up. And wow, this God that I am serving, he is ruling and reigning and his train fills the temple. And then he started looking at himself before the holy God. And there was an inward look. And Isaiah saw himself in the light of the holiness of God. That he was small and he was broken. And not only do we see God for who he is, but the reality is whenever we face our holy God, we would realize how sinful and how broken we are. I hope that when we face God, we will not be arrogant or pride or just, you know, be so relaxed and just treat him like ordinary. And how many of you know that that's the otherness? Of, that's the holiness of God. We can never, ever treat God as ordinary because that is who God is. He's not ordinary. How many of you have a birthday? Please raise your hand. You have a birthday. I hope that we all do, right? How many of you consider your birthday special? Right? That's the reason why you take a birthday leave and you have a birthday celebration because that day when you came into this earth, it's like no other day. Right? And you remember that day because God's grace has been with you that day that you're able to go out of your mother's womb. And that day is special. Nothing like it. You know, the reason why we have what you call holidays or holy days is because these are days that are marked out of the calendar as special days like Christmas or Easter. These are no ordinary days. Not like the one that's like, you know, like maybe this coming Wednesday. I don't know what day is Wednesday. May something. I don't even know what that is for. But we remember, if it's Christmas, December 25, that's a special day. Cut above the rest. And God is like that. Cut above the rest. We realize that we come before the Holy God. We're worshiping God. That we should not treat Him like ordinary. And Isaiah said this, woe is me. He didn't say, wow, to me. You know. He said, woe is me. For I am a man of unclean unclean lips. I am lost. And I dwell in the midst of people with unclean lips. And the first thing that I say realize is, wow, I'm dead. I'm lost. I'm ruined. Because I'm facing a holy God. I am undone. It means that he's speechless. He couldn't have any more excuse with all his sin. There's no legitimate excuse for what his failures were. But he was just facing a God who is holy. And he realized that he's in need of God's grace. How many of you know, as I said earlier, we're all in need of God's grace every single day. The fact that we're able to come before his presence every day is the grace of God. He invites us to come. R.C. Sprawl in his book, The Holiness of God, said, and I want to quote, it is one thing to fall victim to the flood or to fall prey to cancer. It is another thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Think about that for a moment. I mean, that's a scary thought. And the reason why the people in the Bible, every time they see an angel or every time they see the presence of God, they will 
fall down on their faces flat because they said, I'm ruined. The people of God, Israel, said to Moses, meet the Lord for us. We will just stay here in the camp. We don't want to see Him because they know for a fact that when we see God face to face, we're dead. Isaiah, the prophet, even though he was a prophet, called by God, realized that he was a man of unclean lips. And Jesus said, we are also people of unclean lips. How many of you know that out of the abundance of our heart, the mouth speaks? Many times when we speak, what comes out of our mouth? Worry, hate, murder, bitterness, envy, pride, sometimes arrogance, you know, maybe discrimination, maybe lust, maybe addiction. I mean, you can fill in the blanks. But normally it comes from within and it goes out of the mouth. That's why we are a people of unclean lips. That's why we need to have a posture of humility and brokenness every time we come before the presence of the Almighty God. The good news is this, that we don't have to work it out ourselves. How many of you know that atonement and holiness still is the work of God? And we know that one of the angels went to Isaiah and he got a tongue and a charcoal and he placed that hole and touched the lips of Isaiah. You know, as I was reading this particular text, I was imagining what that feels. And I got my vaccine uh, earlier this month, and I couldn't even feel it. Parang, wow, you know yon. But I was trying to imagine Isaiah, you know, with live coal touching your lips. How many of you know that is painful? I'm not sure what he felt. But the angel said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Ultimately, when you talk about purification and cleansing, it is the work of God in our lives. Amen. And I remember when I got saved, when I was 18 years old, back in the day, you know, 30 plus years ago, okay? I thought I was a good boy. I grew up in church. I remember serving as an altar boy. You know, I enjoy being in church, serving in the mass. But yet I realized that when I had a revelation of God's work in me, that I was a very religious and prideful young man. I would actually consider myself as better than my class because I serve God and I study well and I honor my parents. But I realized that that is a trap. A trap where if I don't humble myself, I may actually miss out on the work of God in my life. All of us need God to be purified. We cannot work our salvation by our own good works. We can never take away our guilt and shame. It's the work of God in our lives. R.C. Sproul, again, I like to quote from the holiness of God. He further said, when we understand the character of God, when we grasp something of His holiness, then we begin to understand the radical character of our sin and hopelessness. Helpless sinners can survive only by grace. Everybody say, only by grace. Only by grace. Our strength is futile in itself. We are spiritually impotent without the assistance of a merciful God. In other words, when God calls us, it's His work. When we go to Him, it's His work. 
When we become, when we confess our sins, His conviction is His work. When we are cleansed of our sins because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross 2,000 years ago, it's still His work. What's our contribution to this? Nothing. We just respond to the grace of God. It's totally God's work. And if we are actually going to be you know, wise enough to acknowledge that early on, then our walk with God will become easier because it will be a life of surrender and submission to His will and to His work of sanctification in our lives. And my final point is this, as I end. God's holiness results to commission. God's holiness results to commission. And so Isaiah had an upward look. He saw the Lord high. He had an inward look. He saw himself before the holy God. And then he had an outward look. He started seeing others and the need of others and his opportunity and his call to preach and share the word to them as well. And so in verse 8, it says, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go before us? And what did Isaiah say? Here am I, send him. No. He said, Here am I, Lord, send me. There's no one here. And I volunteer. And I believe that, that is the best posture that we can actually have before the God who calls us. And sometimes we may feel that we can't because we're inadequate. Just like Moses, I can't speak. Just like Peter, I am a sinner. Just like all the others, you know, Gideon said, I, I, I'm, the, I'm the least in my tribe. Guess what? When God calls us, He enables us. Because I believe that our greatest ability will be your availability. And if you just say, God, I say yes, Lord. When you call me, I will say yes. And that is more than enough. Hear my Lord. Send me. Isaiah had an encounter with God. He experienced cleansing. and He was eager to go right after his forgiveness. And you know, one of the signs of our encounter with the Holy God is that we are willing to go. You know, when Isaiah encountered the Holy God, his eyes saw. All his senses became alive. His eyes saw the Lord. His lips were cleansed. And his ears were were so sensitive, and he heard the call to serve other people. And, you know, that's exactly a sign that we have actually been able to encounter a holy God. There was not even a delay to the call of God. You know, I say, didn't say, let me think about it. Lord, can you just give me maybe a few weeks to think about it? No, when God asked him, whom shall I send? Here am I, Lord. Send me. I volunteer. He was sensitive to the voice of God and he wanted to go right away. And when God said, go into all the world and to make disciples of all nations, guess what? As disciples of Jesus, our response ought to be, here my Lord, we're willing to go. It may not be an actual going to the nations, it may just actually be a going to the table right next to you in your office. A simple walk of 10 meters away from you. It may be a walk to your neighbor's house. It may be a walk to the next room in your house. People in your household that are not yet saved. Here, my Lord, send me. Because the proof of a redeemed life is a submission to God's call and commission. I mean, that's really a proof. 
that God has saved us and cleansed us if we will actually just hear the voice of God and we will say, yes, Lord, I will obey. And as we obey the commission of God, the Holy Spirit will complete His work in us. You know, God's holiness will fix our brokenness and ultimately will lead us to our wholeness. The wholeness that we so desire is not our work. It's the work of the Holy Spirit in us. I believe that every day God is working His will in us. Every single day God is sanctifying us. God is purifying us. We go through the fire. We go through testings. God blesses us. God tests us. It's a two-step process of things. God is always faithful to His covenant with us. He blesses us. He provides for us. But at the same time, He tests us so that we can be conformed more and more into the image of His Son, Jesus, every single day. It's only through testings that we can actually be more conformed into the image of Christ. And let us all be drawn to His holiness. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15 and 16. I want to end with this. Just as He has called you, who has called you as is holy, so be holy in all you do. Where it is written, be holy because I am holy. You know what God is saying to us is this. As I am holy, says the Lord, as I am different, that's what holiness means, right? As I am different, as I am separate, as I am a cut above the rest, be like me. Be holy. Be different. Don't be like the world. In another writing of Paul in Romans, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Walk in the wholeness of God. Don't be influenced or don't be conformed into the pattern of this world, but be the influencer that this world needs. Be an example of salt and light, SNL for positive change. If people are hating so much and there's so much discrimination and there's so much pride and arrogance, the people of God ought to be gentle and humble and serving, caring, generous. When the world would think, you know, I want to be able to accumulate all the wealth because no matter how I get it, I will get it at all means. The people of God will say, I'll get it at the right time. I'll let the Lord bless me. And just like Uzziah in the earlier stage of his life, I will seek the Lord. And the more we seek God, God will prosper us. Amen. Let's be a people that is holy, a cut above the rest, a people that's different, a people that's separate from this world. You know, to be a saint, and how many of you know that you are a saint? You are a saint. The moment you got saved, you are a saint. Look at the person beside you and say, that person, I, Saint Mary Grace, or Saint Kevin. Or, you know, you, you are a saint. We are saints of God. But to be a saint involves a lifetime of change. Because when God saves us, He makes us holy. We are to be purified every day as we pursue holiness. And if we are justified, justified never sinned. You know, when we accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, we're justified. 
But we must be open, open for sanctification. We're still being saved. It's a sanctifying work of God. And I believe that as God does that, He makes us holy and He empowers us to live holy lives. The main point is, as I, as I come to a close, is God's holiness transforms us to be like Christ. Very simple. God's holiness transforms us to be like Jesus. Let's bow our heads right now as we pray. Father, we just pray for your continuous grace in our lives. Thank you for your love and for your mercy. Thank you for, your, for, for pursuing us, your people, God. Lord, we just consecrate ourselves afresh even right now. Lord, if there are any idols in our life, we just want to get rid of it. Lord, we say that we are inviting you to ultimately sit on the throne of our hearts to rule and reign. And we get rid of every sin that so easily entangles, Lord God. And Lord, help us to focus our eyes on Jesus, the author, the perfecter of our faith. Everybody stand up right now all across this room. Can you stand up with me? Can we all lift up our hands before the Lord? Just like Isaiah, God is asking, who am I going to send? And I hope that we will all say, Lord, here I am, here am I, Lord. Send us. Lord, you've made us to be a holy people. Send us. You've cleansed us. Send us. You've given us a new purpose. Send us. You've given us a new life. Send us. Father God, I thank you that you will see in your church a people who are willing to be sent. A people who are willing to obey, to submit to your will, to your call, God. And I thank you, Lord God, that you will anoint Lord God, everyone, as they go out there and minister the truth of the gospel to the people that we love, God, open doors for us. Just like Isaiah, give us compassion and love for the people who are in need to hear the life-changing message of the gospel of Jesus. I thank you, God, that you will open doors of opportunity for your people, God, to be able to, to be sent to reach out to others. We thank you for this, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Can we give the Lord a hand? Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Feel free to share this message with your friends too. For more information about our church, visit our website at www.victoryalabang.church.